This podcast is protected under the laws of the United States and other countries. Unauthorized duplication, distribution, or exhibition may result in civil liability, criminal prosecution, and the wrath of the tall man. <laughs> Boy! Previously on 94 Chill, the podcast. We need help. Can anyone hear us, please? Really is the end of the world. I'm gonna put an end to this. Resident Evil Extinction. So, after watching about six episodes from the first season of Game of Thrones, I was kind of in an Ian Glenn mood, I guess. I remember now, this episode was supposed to drop last week, and I was trying to find a transition to make it all make a little more sense when I finally get into the conversation with the poetic critic. So I watched Russell Mulcahy's Resident Evil Extinction, the third in the original Resident Evil franchise. And when I stopped and thought about things, well, that movie comes out on Wednesday, I believe. That movie being Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City. So I figure, you know, might as well talk about that. If I'm going to talk about a Resident Evil movie, why don't we try to associate with the one that's about to be released? You know what? At least I know with Russell Mulcahy, that now I can actually do a Highlander podcast if anybody is interested. I've seen about everything, so you don't have to bring Highlander the Source or Highlander the Final Dimension. And I don't suspect a lot of people have seen The Quest for Vengeance, the anime from the director of Wicked City and Ninja Scroll. When it comes to uh, Resident Evil 3, it was kind of a... You know, it ends very well. Like, I think Paul W.S. Anderson knew if this movie didn't open number one, he wasn't going to get his four, five, and six. So he goes and gives us a very tempting uh, closing when Brut leads into Resident Evil Afterlife, I believe. I think it's Afterlife, not Apocalypse. Or, see, it's just, the naming just got way out of control so apocalypse was number two so i think it's afterlife it closes well you know i can't really say it opens well because knowing that this might be his final film in the franchise anderson pretty much just skips the fact that the world is not totally ending in the video game franchise he's this is where he's totally stepped away he kind of gets back in four and five and then totally blows it on final uh, chapter not saying Final Chapter is unwatchable, it's just nothing uh, memorable, really. I mean, they do bring Ian Glenn back. Sorry if I spoiled Ian Glenn in this film, then, with that said. I brought up the Russ McCoy, uh, McKay with my older sister, the Poetic Critic, that's THE Poetic Critic on Letterboxd, because I was trying to get some kind of conversation out of her in regards to what I was seeing she was watching on Letterboxd, Mad Max to The Road Warrior being one of those pictures. And she does eventually talk about the Australian New Wave, and I was able to do that by saying, you know, I think Extinction might be Russell McKay's only attempt at creating Mad Max. Like, I think he was really just trying to uh, ride on George Miller's coattails. Sorry, but now I'm just thinking... George Miller Highlander, which be a totally different movie. And I think 
at least with the Highlander movie, McKay was able to not really have any grand set pieces that his uh, video music video direction, like uh, Hungry Like the Wolf, is probably his most memorable video he did, Duran Duran the jump cutting and such. He just doesn't know how to look at the same thing from a different angle, say from a different character perspective. No, he just has to jump and show you this thing. It doesn't look like it's even being uh, managed by a character. It looks like he's basically, he could be a great replacement for Kevin Dunn in WWE with all those jumps. Let me get my notes out to further discuss uh, Resident Evil Extinction. Uh, in a sense, it is a sanitized version of Day of the Dead. If you want to see what the premise is, basically the world is gone. It is nothing but zombies and survivors living underground, if they're lucky enough to. That would be the Umbrella Corporation. Otherwise, you're just moving from town to town, scavenging. Again, very much a Mad Max type vibe. I think I got this done in a lot uh, sooner than I thought thought i will say i wasn't initially a fan of resident evil extinction i saw it with my uh, ex-girlfriend from that time in the theaters the first resident evil movie i saw in theaters i've only seen two and that would be resident evil uh, afterlife and yeah i wasn't really overly impressed the moment i saw russell mckay's name on it and then it's like oh great desert jeesh we know how that worked in Highlander 2, The Quickening. It kind of was a turnoff, and it took me a while to come around to this movie. I'm just a completist. It's not awful by any stretch of the imagination, but the script seems like it was written from somebody in my sophomore creative writing course that I took, and I had the wisdom to drop the F out of it. As I say, I think it was meant as a conclusion, possibly a conclusion, with a tease at the end, so if... Uh, we didn't get a fourth movie. Paul W.S. Anderson can blame the people for not coming out of it. It's your fault that Resident Evil is dead, in his opinion. Well, fortunately, Sony's still got the rights, and it looks like it's just undead, and we're going to get uh, Welcome to Raccoon City this week. I think I've uh, spoken my piece on this. Let's move on to the wisdom of the poetic critic. Little Hands says it's time to rock and roll. Bring the noise. So, thank you for returning to 90 for Chill, the podcast. This is your host, Cool Movies Darth, is the handle that I'm trying to get over. Thank you, Chris Hardwick, for assisting with that. As always, listen to the Stanley Tucci episode of the ID10 T podcast just to stroke my ego. You know, my guests, they're going to call me Russ. Russ Stevens is the legal name, and, you know, I'm used to it. Kind of reminds me, though, that it was supposed to be Ty Durden, at least in wrestling. Last minute, um, the guys who gave me that idea to come up with the character, make some music, integrating the Pixies with Fight Club or Marilyn Manson, what have you. No, I don't think it's going to work. That's how I've always wrestled under the name Russ. There's another story involving Seth Rollins, but I digress. I wear the black glove on the right hand better. But there's not really much to further go into, I think, before we jump into this conversation with the poetic critic that I had a while ago. This is essentially the lost episode that I put to the side to go on a rant about 
why good movies kill canines. I think that's a fun podcast. It's only a 10-minute listen, so not that hard for you to go back on that one. We're going to talk about the movies that I tried to keep track from her letterbox uh, at that time. So we discuss, and this opens with bringing up Manhunter. We go into, which I know doesn't qualify for 90 for Chill, but Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior does. And I get her into a Australian new wave slash exploitation conversation for a bit. And, you know, then we just BS, you know, two movie fans about whatever. Uh, a lot of David Bowie talk. We go into some Christopher Walken, some Drew McWeeny praise. So I hope you enjoy, really. And that's what I'm getting at. And if you do enjoy, please subscribe on your podcast app. Please give us those five-star reviews to help the algorithm. If you want to trash the podcast, go to my Twitter, at CatBusRuss. That's at C-A-T-B-U-S-R-U-S-S. You know, if I'm taking the heat for saying freedom of the speech is fine, freedom to hate another human being is should be criminal, and then some twat with a peppy the frog avatar goes and says, who gets to decide what to hate? You don't get the hate. So I'm just saying, I'm used to dealing with you trolls, but I would really appreciate some constructive criticism. If you want to be on the podcast, I think I've got some guests lined up for the next couple weeks. But if you want to be on the podcast, you can go and send an email to russthebus07 at gmail.com. That's R-U-S-S-T-H-E-B-U-S-0-7 at gmail.com. Give me a movie. Give me a theme. Give me a director. Give me an actor. As long as you focus on sub-100-minute material, I'll be glad to talk to you and make some podcast gold. Thank you, Stacia Harden, for being my inspiration and keeping me going. Thanks again for coming to the 90 for Chill podcast, and I hope you enjoy the show. In the future, cities will become deserts. Roads will become battlefields. And the hope of mankind will appear as a stranger. Now playing at selected Toronto theaters. Consult your listings. I don't know how much content I'll have this week, so just shooting the breeze with the big sis. I imagine with her work hours, she might be going to bed earlier, or I just totally out of the loop there. So she's been um, catching up on some stuff uh, as of Letterbox. She's finally gotten around the Manhunter, which I don't. It's not better than Silence of the Lambs. There's just so much charm to science silence of the lambs i think i mean and so much memorable stuff like who does that's a meme i just put up there today was snow white over the well and put the lotion in the basket is <laughs> just some text next to it um and it's really still early michael man anyhow so or i would say it's still relatively early michael man you get a lot of his tropes and such like i love the finale within and i got in in the god of davida but any other thoughts about manhunter do you prefer brian cox or anthony hopkins because i think there's a strong case for brian cox he's very good but i wouldn't be in the mood to make a decision on that Mm. 
I haven't thought about it that much to have anything to say. Okay. Do you think Anthony Hopkins can sell McDonald's, though? I'm sure you've seen the commercials, you know, with Brian Cox doing the voiceover. If you are going to go to McDonald's and ask a friend if they want fries and they say no, get them the fries. Otherwise, your fries will become their fries. I try to avoid commercials as much as I can these days. Oh, yeah, your special criterion collection. Like, ah. Like, I don't know. I might, well, if I didn't just get the HBO Max uh, year package for that discount, I would say, well, guess what? I'm going to take off that. I'm going to save five bucks a month just to torment you. Get all them commercials. Um, I don't know, with streaming services, I would like to, because I did, I am releasing a blog this week about, yes, AEW is the wrestling you should be watching, but it is more expensive than WWE because you got to buy each pay-per-view for 50 bucks a pop. In WWE, you get free pay-per-views provided you have Peacock. So, you know, half the country gets it free. Um, so, but I would really like that, uh, you know, the Turner Network and HBO Max give me like a, an AEW wrestling channel on HBO Max. I didn't realize they did that. They don't. That's what I'm saying. It's like, oh, yeah, no, we have to put all the purple banners on the debut week of HBO Max around Jacksonville's Daily Place for the advertisement. The synergy, but... And, like, when are wrestlers going to show up on Rick and Morty? (laughs) Rick and Morty showed up on the wrestling show. Just shooting some breeze. But otherwise, doing with my further letterbox stocking, um, I came across her information on uh, Mad Max to the Road Warrior. Which, I mean, if you've seen... I don't know. I was kind of thinking that it was going to equal um, Fury Road, but I don't think it... I mean, it's definitely not, I think, the defining feature that Fury Road was. Well, I couldn't say. It's the only one I've seen so far. Well, I mean, I'm I mean, sure we... there, and I can try and work my way through more 80s movies. Mm-hmm. And... Okay. Well, just some observations I had, and... I guess I'm at least free to grab my cell phone in this event to look over my notes. Um, deep pockets in these jeans. Alrighty. No, I'm not going to go and check out that Cole's email. Okay. Alright, the Road Warrior notes. Well, one thing I noticed, and it's because I have seen the most recent of the Mad Max franchise. The steering wheels in the Road Warrior are on the right side of the vehicle. Somehow, I guess, really, I don't know what they're going to do in the future of that franchise without a Morton Joe because all the steering wheels were moved to the left side for that feature. I mean, just one of those little things that could annoy the piss out of somebody. Um... Other observations. Some of the editing really seems like, well, it worked in Betty uh, on Benny Hill. 
sometimes the vehicles just move way too fast. You know, the, okay, we got to get to this point quicker. Like, it's a movie about car chases. I don't think you need to rush any of the footage. Um, let's see. I do, I do have to come to the conclusion, though. Good movies kill the dog. I mean, Old Yeller, every John Wayne movie, John Wick, and hey, John Wick is still, the first film is still the premier John Wick film, so let's kill that pit bull. And just to frustrate my, well, no, I won't, well, I've already brought up the thought with uh, Flashdance. Maybe if we killed the dog, it would have been more watchable. Flashdance, though, I guess, because I did see that in your letterbox diary. And I think we both agree that it is other garbage. Well, I, I like mean, there's some great music video type stuff being shot in it. The problem is, is that it feels like they didn't finish writing the script before they shot it. No, it, it feels like, like the first draft done. It feels more like um, Giorgio, uh, yeah, Giorgio Mortar. Marauder. Marauder, thank you. Um, did more effort in writing the theme song. Mm-hmm. Which, um, no, like, he's talking about, oh, yeah, this is a, well, basically all the songs that are about, um, involve Pittsburgh. Like, how many times has he actually been to Pittsburgh? So I'm impressed by that kind of research. Um, but yeah, I, I, and I, I ripped through it on, um, uh, and I'm sorry, sorry, Allie from Allie's Accessory Shop on Etsy, uh, who does so much for the show. Uh, it's a joke about dead pit bulls dying after you put yours down. She was a good dog, and but yeah, you know my she knows my morbid sense of humor enough, anyhow. But um, so here's something though about Mad Max. It's like. I thought with some of the appearances of the characters, obviously, I mean, there's it's hell bent for leather, but um, I see a lot of Highlander too in some of the choices. I know this. I know this is not Highlander two. Obviously, came second, but was Russell McCauley just Russell McKay? Um, see, I do learn about my pronunciations. Um, was he just out to make a Highlander movie and he eventually made, not a Highlander, a Road Warrior movie? He met, eventually kind of made it with, um, Resident Evil Extinction. I know you haven't seen Resident Evil Extinction. I know you've seen Highlander too in some form. Especially the screaming characters and, and the Australian connection, like, and... I don't know. With George Miller, I only really think about the um, Mad Max and Happy Feet, which kind of makes me think this is kind of music video stuff, and that's where Russell McKay made all his drones and such. So, any thoughts on that? Or is this just like, I don't know. I also listened to the uh, screen drafts. Australian 21st century draft, which is pretty interesting. A lot of options. Well, if you're wondering about the earlier aesthetic, have you mm. ever seen the documentary Not Quite Hollywood? 
No, I have not. That is a film about the Australian exploitation industry. And it, it's development in the 1970s and gone through the 80s before it became because the Australian new wave as well yes it developed rough the Australian film industry basically flowered in the 1970s right but they had a really thriving exploitation industry this is what that film's about well, you can definitely it's see that. It's from the same guy who I think it's the same guy who went on to do Electric Boogaloo the documentary about canon films mm. and it, it's not I didn't like it as much as I did Electric Boogaloo. Well, I mean, it's also subject matter. Everything Canon did essentially was bad in some way. Like, they they really knew how to polish a bunch of turds, but there's no way you were going to buy that a Canon feature idea without a bunch of Connie being conned in some way or another. I mean, that explains the difficulty Cobra gets, like, uh, Globus and... Golan. Golan, thanks. Um, get the producer's credit on Cobra, but they don't They don't get the... Uh, put their label on it. Um, no, they did. No, that's not a canon feature. No, it, it was as canon as anybody's. They simply had the distribution deal with Warner Brothers by that. Okay, so this it's is as nakedly canon movies any of the others. They included it in the canon box set Warner oh. Brothers put out. Well, Warner Brothers put that one out. I mean, in that canon box they, set, how much of the MGM stuff that got claimed was in it? I, I don't know if they had any of the MGM titles, but they did have. Uh, they did have. I think they did have Delta Force in there. Uh, and that's an MGM one, yeah. So you get a like. There's a channel on uh, Xfinity. Um, screen picks which is pretty much like and this is for everything that uh will not touch streaming services like mm-hmm. just because i don't know i don't even know why we have movie channels on cable anymore in all honesty well not everyone has cut the cord yet yeah but when you look at hbo it's all based around series for the most part i don't even know what movies end up on showtime anymore But, but no, it's good. Good to know that it's an Australian new wave thing. Um, thing. It's good to know that there's a documentary about it. I really want to watch the documentary um, that was talked about on '80s All Over about Mad Max too, about the stunts and stuff. And then like, and obviously something went wrong. That's in the freaking movie. <laughs> like I can tell which spot they were saying. I haven't even watched the documentary. I mean, it's. I don't know. It's like, I really suggest watching Fury Road. Right. I mean, I, we don't have to watch Thunderdome, but who, does, who doesn't want to deal with me not realizing David Bowie in the wig wasn't, uh, wasn't Tina Turner until he finally spoke dialogue in Labyrinth? Goblin King, what are they doing here? I don't get it. Never mind, I was kind of hiding my eyes because I still had a problem with Gremlins at the time. First time we saw Labyrinth in the right. theater in 1988, I believe. Yeah, it was Christmas 88. Yeah, and it's like, oh, jeez, no, little creatures, no, no. <laughs> Cover my eyes. Did he say it yet? <sighs> okay, I guess these guys are cute. And then, um, as I said in the Commando podcast that didn't make it on, uh, only a half hour got caught. Who knows, Zoom might be finally cracking down. Um, but yeah great 
David Bowie in a wig and codpiece. And yeah, I'm probably not a, there's no way I'm a zero on the Kinsey scale. Um, so yeah, that's, um, but, um, otherwise for me, uh, I did watch a bunch of movies mentioned on the Tattoo Squid podcast, which is a fun little podcast, just a good character study of people. I haven't really seen it go into too many themes yet. Um, but they were talking about, um, talking to a guest from the Wheel of Horror podcast Bringing up a lot of stuff. Not really much that qualifies her 90 for Jill. Except they did talk about the movie Jolt, which isn't a horror movie. It's basically um, a culmination of, oh, yeah, we can't really make an underworld movie, but we have Kate Beckinsale, so we're going to have to have the same kind of action. But we're going to shoot it like a Resident This may have been what Sony was gunning for with Resident Evil and Underworld. We're going to combine these two universes somehow um it's not that and makes me wonder why kate beckinsale can just be the only person with an english accent in a movie because or well doug bradley david bradley's in it doesn't get enough david bradley that is one cool old brit um but jai courtney's in it and we know he's an australian and they kind of mocked him on the screen drafts, Australian draft. Like, yeah, we don't really count uh, Sam Livington and Jai Courtney anymore. Um, so, I mean, it's fun, but it's basically Kate Beckinsale has to shock herself all the time to avoid letting her anger take over. I mean, Stanley Tucci's in it. I mean, it's got a hell of a cast. It's just like... We could have done so much more with this. So, Bobby Cavanali, like, and the other one was a Hulu, I think part of a horror anthology series. It's a ninety, it's a full length feature called Tentacles, and no, it's not going to fly with an anime fan. The lack of tentacles, or even for a Lovecraftian fan, no, we need we need more of this stuff, not just the occasional wet willy which is pretty much how the movie operates around well well you bring up horror movies and we are going into spooky season yes i'm planning on trying to do a month centered around horror i'm thinking about doing like horror or at least like monster movies oh yeah old godzilla films stuff like that right but i'm also and i'm noticing uh no that's become a big deal you know even Reform has their 31 days of Halloween. Yeah, which just no, no. How many of this is, like, fresh from the Disney Channel? Like, uh, it's not all from the Disney I'm Channel. I'm just saying, but yeah, for every for every really creepy thing. There's a lot of complaints that this year they're, they're doing, they're showing Hocus Pocus 10 times. Oh, bollocks. And, you know, they don't have as many you know, Tim Burton or the kind of Tim Burton life films we had right. in the 90s as often. Aside from the Adams Family films mm. and uh, the Casper movie from 95. That's about all. So was Christina Ricci supposed to be like our screen queen for Generation Z? Not Generation Z, the millennials? I don't know. I have 
haven't paid that close attention. Well, I'm just saying that, okay, she's in this teen, these teenage, you know, hip movies with scary elements, but that aren't really scary. You know, that's, that's what I'm suggesting. It's like, oh yeah, we're going to get further creepy. And I guess we kind of got that with, uh, Sleepy Hollow, which is a pretty missable film. Have you seen Sleepy Hollow? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Like, I don't know. The best thing I got out of it was Alfred from, sadly, I can't recall that actor's name. And, and we're, we're at a creepy stage when, like, do we really... Was Jeff... Uh, was it Jeffrey Jones from Beetlejuice or... Yeah, Jeffrey Jones. Was yeah, we were still in that creepy stage with Jeffrey Jones, I yeah. think, at that time. It's... And yeah, it's just a lot of stuff that doesn't work except Christopher Walken. So I guess I guess you kind of get it rewarded if we could only had like the mannerisms with the horsemen of Christopher Walken. Like as you see Christopher Walken, like doing, you know, emphasizing everything <laughs> somehow. It's not in his, uh, voice which i think was kind of lacking in um of you to a kill now that you say it now that we look at it he wasn't christopher walken enough i know that role is written for david bowie but there, there's an episode of one of the bonus episodes of 80s all over has drew and scott discussing that movie and mm. he approached his performance and if you catch that one i think it's one of the viewer mailbag episodes well, you see, I, I'm just not in that luxurious of, place where I can do a bunch of Patreon episodes. Look, for if people. you do a little research okay. on it, you'll you'll find out why Walken's performance is the way it was. Oh, huh, okay. <laughs> if you do a little research, but I'm not going to spoil it for you. <laughs> so we're promoting other people's Patreons. Hi, hi, hi. You can look it up elsewhere, and the bon remember the eighties whole bonus stuff is now up on regular Apple. They posted it up some time ago, so oh. they're all available. Well, it's not like Most I'm. Of them anyway. Well, it's not like I'm following the podcast feed of '80s all over since See, Colt Cabana at least promises to be back every six months of the live art of wrestling. I am following Drew's Drew McQueen's Patreon last '80s book you'll ever Okay, read. and that's been terrific so far. All right, because he. He's basically starting from the beginning with these write-ups on movies. He's catching up on a lot of stuff that the first time around they kind of, they kind of misplaced or simply didn't catch the first time. Hmm. So there's a lot of new material along with the stuff that had been covered on the show. But now it's from the solo angle. And Do we know what Scott Weinberg's doing recently? or uh, Scott's been doing his own podcast on Patreon called Overhated. Where they take on famous I think, movies with famous movies with famously bad reputations. Okay, yeah, it's pretty. I think I haven't subscribed to that yet, but I know I know he he's been updating it pretty frequently. He has guests on. Okay, they've been so. tackling a lot of the famous bad movie titles. Mm -hmm. Oh, I kind of get that with second chance movies with uh, mm -hmm. Jessica Quaz and Joe Harper, um, which. Uh, needing to add some content I did put up like no I think um, 
Tropic Thunder totally works now as it did back in 2008. I think if you if you basically dare the audience to be offended, I think that puts you in a good place as long as you everything is structurally sound. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only thing you could really fault, I think, about Tropic Thunder is that it does kind of, the pacing kind of sucks in the second act, just jumping back and forth, but... You know, being bankrupted by junkies, I totally appreciate the Jack Black performance. And I think um, the Robert Downey Jr. performance kind of helps tell us why we need people of certain demographics to play people of certain demographics. You know, I think... uh, the entire point of doing that was basically the entire point of having a a Hollywood actor playing an Australian actor playing a black guy in a movie. Just the sheer ridiculousness of it kind of makes, you know, it just reminds me of Putney Swope. Like, I'm going to go and... I'm going to go and tell... Go go and do something to offend you, but I'm gonna do it in the. I'm gonna do it so it's structurally sound, right? Writing wise, and yeah, I dare you to hate it, and that's far more abrasive than anything from Tropic Thunder, I think. But um, something I missed about the IFC free, um, IFC Films Unlimited was I didn't get around to the Trip series, it says. We really need to give Steve Coogan more love, I think. If anything, that is a suggestion. Watch in the um, the thick. No, is it's in the loop, right? The thick of it, it's a series. Yeah. Yes. I mean, the entire concept of Doctor Who squaring off with Tony Soprano, I think, sells the film right there. And, um, yeah, I think, as I say, I was just trying to fill it. I've got, uh, 25 minutes on the timer. So, any, any movies you're really looking forward to in your October monster hunting? I haven't, uh, Does Monster I... Hunter make it? No. Oh, Mila jo- Jovovich, she's her, she, like, I just reorganized 90 for Chill, the podcast, the website, or the blog, what have you. 90forchill.com and it's like okay what's common themes podcast zombies vampires anime animated cyborg the canon feature Mia Jovich so it's she's her own category it's just a whole bunch of weird but I digress about that so again monsters well, uh, I haven't finalized anything yet, so I'm kind of playing it by ear. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much that's easy. With horror, you know, it's easy to find anywhere. Right. Something. Yeah. So you kind of play it by ear, and that's easier than anything. But I am kind of curious. Do you in, are you interested in the inanimate objects from this meta-horror period we're going through? Like slacks or rubber no, I haven't really taken an interest in that. Okay. I, I haven't watched either of those either, but it's still the fact that we have a movie about a killer tire and a killer pair of pants. 
If you could make something killer, what would you make killer? I don't know. Mm, something mundane that shouldn't can't kill. I don't know. I think we take everything for granted. And I think everything is out. Now that makes me think everything's out to kill us. Yeah, we're just waiting for you to drop your guard. Flashlight. I'm sure I can get that movie made. So if you want to uh, discuss the work on a killer flashlight, send your, send your emails to rustthebus07 at gmail.com. That's R-U-S-S-T-H-E-B-U-S-07 at gmail.com. The coolest thing is, like, I was going to, like, thinking, oh, I'll do more YouTube videos. Well, I need a green screen. No, I'll just buy some green queen-size sheets. So, I have some weird effects. So, we can either go porno or we could go straight comedy <laughs> or comedy. So, hmm. Trying to think of stuff around here. When Funko is desperate for money, which isn't too far removed now since, as you pointed out from Jessica Ritchie, I think it was, well, that the U.S. Was commenting on it. Right. Yeah, they, Funko's doing U.S. Marine Corps Funko Pops. Just the Marine Corps? You didn't get any other license? Army, Navy, Space think, Force? I don't think so. Are you still, are you as surprised as me that they're doing recruitment ads now for Space Force? I haven't been paying attention. Well, yeah, and I think that's how we got how we got in this situation about the need for a space force. Um, okay, I know it'd be difficult licensing fee wise, so we'd have to go knockoffs. So we might just have to go generic Hummels. But I'm looking around the room, and I see your Disney precious moments. So would you go telepathic precious moments or just little killing things? I don't think either works because they're made of, they're ceramic. That's why I'm saying you go with the telepathic, so just in the telepathic, like the tire, like the tire doesn't run over people. I know that much. It just thinks about blowing people's heads up. You have a little battle between the you know, the ones that haven't been corrupted, like a Jesus precious moment versus an Ursula precious moment. And then we can even bring in like we got Lovecraftian vibes there with Ursula, like hmm. So I guess one last thing just again from observing the environment, we've got Chira. Nightmare Before Christmas um, top. I really think I need to watch it. I get it, but somehow I think it's overrated. A lot of people say it's the fans that have ruined a Nightmare for Christmas, uh, Before Christmas for just the layman. I mean, does it still hold up, your opinion? I haven't watched it in a while. Okay. Because there's no reason it shouldn't hold up. I don't think there's any reason it wouldn't. No, I, as I say, I think just this is the this is 
I think a lot of it is not that we're afraid of nerds. We're just afraid of people overblowing something or right. starting to act like nerds. Mm-hmm. Be a straight up nerd. Don't don't be some. Oh, I'm a I'm hip. You know, I'm hip. I understand you now. This is how we get dear Evan Hansen and stuff. Oh no no I I know how to relate to you yay. You want to offer any Dear Evan Hansen bashing for the no, pod? No. I don't think I can add it. I'm not interested in seeing it. And I have nothing to add that hasn't already been expressed online. Mm. So, I guess from what you've gotten off online, um, would Evan Hansen be the um, G, not the Giallo killer in a Giallo movie? As you said, the creepy, the creepy Giallo, the creepy person is never the killer in a Giallo movie. Yeah, that was that was Jessica's comment. Uh, I don't know enough to mm. make a definitive statement one way or the other. Ever watch much Giallo or any? I've only watched one or two. Okay, Argento stuff or Fulci or. I'd seen some. I'd seen some Bava. Oh, yeah, which is a classic. For the genre, I don't know how you really feel about it. I thought it was fine. Mm. It didn't make a huge impression oh. on me, but I see why people love it. Yes, no, that's that's fair. Because no, it's not. My life isn't any wor- worse off for seeing it or not. So, cool. All right. So, do you think Giallo gets mixed up with just Italian horror in general? Because Argento kind of really blurred those lines at the end. And even Bava, you know, Planet of the Vampires and all that stuff. I, I don't, don't know. Okay, all right. This. Okay, well, we did tackle a bunch of a bunch of stuff on her uh, letterbox, uh, Manhunter, and uh, more importantly, Mad Max Fury Road. Man, there are weird memes out there. Um... So, but, um, you're looking for, as I say, if you're always, if you're looking for somebody that guides you into, uh, the land of cinema, the poetic critic is a great follow on letterbox. I'm on letterbox as well. That's CM Darth is my member name. And otherwise you can follow me on Twitter. That's at catbusrus at C-A-T-B-U-S-R-U-S-S. And thank you very much, um, the Poetic Critic, for filling in this little void of a podcast. Uh, you're welcome. All right. And the applause button. That was the rim shot button. Can I hear a wahoo?